Hello and welcome to Parsha on a Pod. My name is Yechiel Schaffer. I'm the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation in Maryland. This week we will be taking a look at Parshat Mishpatim, primarily focused on the interpersonal laws. The structure of a civil society is presented in this week's Parsha. It is overflowing with laws, rules, and mitzvot. It's jam-packed with all kinds of ideas and technicalities regarding how we are supposed to treat and interact with each other. This informs us somewhat on how we should be thinking about the Torah. Considering, considering up until now, we've been focusing primarily, primarily on narrative, primarily on stories, immediately following the giving of the Torah, the recording of the giving of the Torah at Sinai, we are told about the Torah's wishes for a civil structure, for the structure of society. It should form us to think about what is the role of the Torah beyond the presentation of these stories, beyond the historical record of what has taken place. Mishpatim has 118 verses, lays the foundations for some of the most complex sections of Talmudic law. Here is Mishpatim in seven parts. Part 1 these are the civil laws that was placed before them. The Torah shifts now to an extensive presentation of specific laws that were taught at Har Sinai. We begin by discussing the Torah's approach towards slavery. A Hebrew slave, a Jewish slave, was to work for six years and then, by design, go free in the seventh. If he entered slavery unmarried, he left unmarried. If the slave does not want to go free in the seventh year, if he likes his circumstances, wants to stay in servitude, his ear shall be pissed, pierced, the Torah tells us, against a doorpost, and he shall remain in servitude for the rest of his life. The Torah now discusses a father who sells his daughter into slavery and addresses a variety of scenarios in which her master no longer desires to keep her in his service. The Torah then presents its laws on interhuman violence, saying that one who intentionally strikes and mortally wounds another is liable to death. Additionally, it is forbidden for a child to strike or insult a parent and for a person to kidnap another. When one person hits another without killing them, the attacker shall be liable for damages. Our final Parsha thought at the end of the podcast is going to present the beginnings of a thought regarding how can the Torah uh, present ideally the institute of slavery as a construct in a world that we live in. Slavery is so repulsive, has been so rejected by modern society. What do we have to be thinking about? What do we be? Ref- what should we be reflecting upon that the Torah includes it within its presentation of civil society? So ends part one. When a person strikes another. When a slave owner strikes a slave, his death shall be avenged. If two men were fighting and accidentally injure a woman who is pregnant and she delivers a child, compensation must be paid to the pregnant woman. We are now famously told in verse 21-24, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Which, which Rashi points out 
is not to be understood literally. The Torah continues to discuss the laws of damages, including an ox that causes destruction, presenting the difference between an ox that has a history of causing damage versus one, an ox that has no history. This is novel behavior. The Torah also discusses the responsibility of an owner of a pit that could cause damage to people if there is no protection against people falling in. Chapter 21 concludes with a discussion of how one who steals an an animal should pay restitution, and chapter 22 begins on the same line, discussing the liability of those who find a thief and cause damage against the thief in self-defense. And so ends part two. Part three. Kitetsei eish umatsa kotsim. Fire starts and spreads wildly. The Torah now addresses a farmer who lets his animals loose to graze from fields that he does not own. It continues to address one who starts a fire, suggesting that they are responsible for the damage of such a fire, even if it spread beyond the boundaries of their original intention. The Torah discusses a variety of laws relating to watching over someone else's property or animals, as well as borrowing an item or an animal from another person. The Torah continues to discuss the concepts of consent in intimate relationships and the responsibility of of a man in such a relationship. The Torah says that involving yourself in sorcery, bestiality, or sacrifices to idolatry is a forbidden act. We must be sensitive to the convert and stranger, to the widow and orphan, And if you mistreat them, God will hear their cries. One should not lend money with interest, and one should return collateral to the person requesting a loan. And so ends part three. Part four. Elohim lo tekalel, God you shall not curse. The Torah tells us now not to curse God or the princes of Israel, and to be careful regarding that which is consecrated to God, including firstborn sons and animals. Meat that is not properly slaughtered should be used for dog food. And the Torah also begins to address the role of slander and hearsay and how deleterious it can be, encouraging us to have a strong moral compass, which includes returning a lost object, even if the lost object belongs to our enemy. And so ends part four. Part five, lo satemishbat, do not subvert the rights of the needy in their disputes. We should keep distance from falsity and ensure to protect the innocent. Judges should not take bribes and we should never oppress the stranger. The Israelites should work the land for six years and let it rest in the seventh Six days a week you should work your field, and lest it rest, let it rest on the seventh day. Three times a year the Israelites should gather, should have a festival for God. The Chag HaMatzot should last for seven days, in which you eat Matzot in the springtime. Chag HaKatzir, commemorating the first fruits of the labor, of your labor. And Chag HaAsif, at the end of the year, when you conclude your harvest. At each of these festivals, you should appear before God and shall not offer any offerings with leavened breads. You should also bring the first fruits and refrain from cooking a kid goat in its mother's milk. One of three times this is mentioned in the Torah, becoming the source 
for not mixing meat and milk together. And so ends part five. Part six. I will send an angel before you. God now tells the Jewish people that he is sending before them an angel, a guardian, to watch over and protect them. If they listen to the Torah and they follow this garden guardian, then they will be protected. When the Israelites reach the promised land, God will be with them to ensure their safe passage and successful conquest. The Israelites should not bow down to their enemies' gods, but rather should smash their places of idolatry, should destroy any resemblance of that which is foreign to the values of the Torah. If you serve God, He will bless you, the people with bread, water, and good health. And so ends part six. Part seven. I will send forth my terror before you. If you listen to God, the Torah says, no woman will miscarry and people will live until ripe old age. God will fight our battles, sending his terror before us, striking fear in the hearts of our enemies. The conquering of the promised land will not happen all at once, but will be gradual. The borders of the promised land will be broad and all-encompassing. There will be no agreements or covenants with the natives of the land. Chapter 24 begins by instructing Moshe to come closer to God on the top of Harsinai. Moshe shared everything he had learned from God with the Israelites. They all responded in the affirmative, agreeing to the challenge, to the opportunity, to, the, to consecrating their relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with God. Moshe wrote down all of these commandments. He set up an altar and 12 pillars for the 12 tribes of Israel. Moshe designated some people to bring the sacrifices, took the blood of these sacrifices and dashed half on the altar, and the other half he placed in basins for a later ceremony. Moshe reads the instructions, these instructions that we've been reading together, he reads them aloud to the Israelites, and they enthusiastically and famously affirm their commitment to the commands. They say, We will do and we will listen to everything you have said to us. And at that moment, Moshe goes back to those basins of blood and he sprinkles them towards the people. God now gives Moshe the first tablets of stone and he stays on top of Harsinai for 40 days and nights. It's worth noting that Rashi says it was an angel who came along to split the basins of blood exactly in half. Half was sprinkled on the altar, half was sprinkled towards the people. Why does he need an angel to do that? Because there should not be one drop more that is sprinkled towards the altar than is sprinkled towards the people. The blood that's sprinkled towards the altar is representative of those mitzvot, of those commands between God and the people. The mitzvot that we do because we are God-fearing, because we are connecting and deepening our relationship with God. And the blood that's sprinkled towards the people are the civil commands, are the mitzvot being Adam lechavero, the mitzvot between humanity that we do because God has told us to observe these mitzvot, but also because we care for the stranger and for the poor. We care for the vulnerable because we want to be good and people with integrity. No basin of blood 
that represents mitzvot bin adam lechaveiro and mitzvot bin adam lemakom, the commands between God and his people and between people and people, neither of those basins shall have one drop of blood more than the other. And it takes an angel to ensure that it is split exactly 50% bin adam lemakom, 15% bin adam lechaveiro, 50% to the mitzvot between God and man, and 50% towards the mitzvot between God and his between man and man. And so ends Parshat Mishpatim. Thank you for joining Parsha on a pod this week. I'm Yechiel Schaffer. If you have enjoyed this review of Parshat Mishpatim, please feel free to subscribe and share it with a friend. We mentioned earlier in the podcast that the idea, the institution of slavery being presented as an ideal institution, as one uh, one that is by design part of Jewish society is challenging to our modern sensibilities that has so rejected, so uh, is so repulsed by the institution of slavery. It is worth noting as we think about this, as we reflect upon the fact that slavery exists within Torah laws, that when the Jewish people were presented with these laws in Parshat Mishpatim, standing at the foot of Har Sinai, the laws themselves would not be relevant, would not be applicable for decades to come. You see, the Jewish slave goes free every seven years, and it has to work, it has to work within context of the fact that there is a Yovel system in place. Once every 50 years, the Yovel requires slaves to go free no matter what, even if they've rejected their freedom in the first seven years of their slavery. The Yovel system only applies once the Jews have entered the land and conquered the Promised Land, transforming it into the land of Israel. This will not happen for decades to come. So when the idea of slavery is presented to the Jewish people at the foot of Harsinai, it is purely academic. It is not at all applicable to their circumstances for decades to come. Perhaps the reason when we are addressing civil society, the first of the laws that the Torah addresses is the laws of slavery, because these laws are the laws that hit closest to home to the Jewish experience thus far. When you're thinking about how we treat each other, when you're reflecting upon how someone who has power over another person treats that person, how someone who has power over someone who is vulnerable acts towards them. You have to consider and remember and reflect upon those, t- those moments in your life when you were vulnerable and how you would have wanted to be treated. The Torah starts the laws of civility by reminding the Jewish people it was only a short few months ago you were enslaved, you were vulnerable. How would you have wanted to be treated in that situation? And always remember, when you're involved in a civil dispute, that there is a Torah way to approach to it, there is integrity, there is vulnerability that one has to be sensitive towards, one that is not foreign to the Jewish people. So ends Parsha on a pod this week. If you have any thoughts on why the Torah presents the Institute of Slavery as an ideal part of society, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. Please feel free to drop us a line to send us an email. Other than that, have a wonderful week. Enjoy Shabbat Parashat Mishpatim, Shabbat Shkalim, Shabbat Rosh Chodesh. Take care.